Today on Locked On Ducks Hockey, the Ducks finished their road trip through the Central Division. How did they do? Find out on today's Locked On Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, hockey fans. You are locked in with Jason, J.D. Hernandez, on this breezy Monday morning. This is Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast covering the Anaheim Ducks. Don't forget that you will get fresh daily content Monday through Friday about the OC's favorite hockey team, as well as a weekly look down the I-5 freeway at the San Diego Goals. If you missed last week's announcement, Locked On Goals will be available every Thursday from now until Thanksgiving. Once again, we'll have our weekly look down on the farm every Thursday here on Locked on Ducks. Before we get into the weekend action, you can listen to this podcast or any of the shows on the Locked on Podcast Network via Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, or Spotify. Also, you can go over to your Alexa smart device and say, Hey Alexa, play Locked on Ducks hockey and hope you hear my dulcet tones on the other end. If you don't, then you can send in a request for the official Locked On Network five and a quarter inch floppy disk, available absolutely nowhere. Or you might try looking manually on the Apple or Google Podcast Store. If you're listening already, be sure to hit that subscribe button to listen to this podcast daily. Also, this little podcast has a Twitter account. You can follow it at lo underscore ducks, or follow me personally at stimpyjd. I post episode links every day, so check the tweets. And this is a very windy Monday morning. Windy, W-I-N-D, not win, W-I-N, because it was that kind of weekend for the Ducks. They finished their road trip 1-3, and and I'll be honest, they were lucky to get two points out of that road trip. We'll begin with the Dallas game that happened on Thursday because... This was the first time that we saw Corey Perry, yes. Corey Perry in a uniform that does not have the Ducks logo out in front. Yeah, Corey Perry wore the green, white, and black of the Dallas Stars. How weird was that, fans? How weird was that to see Corey Perry not in a Ducks uniform? Corey Perry had been a Duck for 14 seasons and was one of the top players in the team for the longest time. Yes, a lot of people thought of him as a pest on offense and defense, and he is. But here's what Corey Perry had to say before the game. Quote, It's an exciting day. It's an emotional day. There was all kinds of emotions running through me, but once that puck drops, it's game on. And it will certainly game on with Ben Bishop versus John Gibson on net. And a few seconds after he got off the bench, former Duck Andrew Cogliano deflected the puck as it came down from the air, and he somehow got the puck to Denis Gurionov for a backhanded shot that just went past John Gibson's left shoulder for a bar-down goal. Only two and a half minutes into the game, and it was one nothing Dallas already. Later on, the Ducks did get some pucks toward the net, and tried to make something happen. At least they were trying to put some pressure on Ben Bishop. But they needed to be higher quality shots throughout the game. That's something that the Ducks still have to work on its quality shots. 
and with about 11 minutes left, a few things happened. Joe Pavelski turned it over in the Dallas zone, and Ricard Raquel got off a fantastic shot, but Ben Bishop made himself big against the driving Raquel to get a somewhat easy save. Although only a few seconds later, Jakob Silverberg was caught hooking, and the Ducks immediately began their first PK by allowing a quality shot and having John Gibson bail them out. Again! That is, until the Ducks took another penalty, and they were on the wrong end of a 5-on-3 advantage for about a minute and a quarter. The last time the Ducks were down two men, they got scored on in the middle of that 6-to-1 drubbing from Nashville. This time, though, thanks to a couple blocked shots and getting into passing lanes, the Ducks did eventually survive that PK. Uh, Later on, the Stars effectively used the Dasher boards to push the puck into their offensive zone. Andrew Cogliano got some quality playing time out in his zone and got a couple solid shots off. And something else to point out. This was the first game back for Brendan Gooley. And he was playing aggressive on his first game back from a lower body injury and trying to make anything happen in front of the net. So good to see him back in action. However, this is a Big story that we will talk about more in depth. With 3.49 left, Josh Manson got injured. And that was bad. I'll talk more about that injury in a moment. Uh, Later on, with two minutes left, immediately after the Manson injury, the Stars effectively used some passes off the boards, and Goryanov, yet again, is left open after Brendan Gooley slips. A second after that unfortunate slip-up, Gurionov scored another goal, and it's another backhanded goal. What is it with these backhanded goals, man? This time, Gurionov doesn't elevate the puck, and it goes five-hole on John Gibson, giving the Stars an early 2-0 lead, and I think Gibson was anticipating that he was going to elevate the puck like the first goal, or he was going to try to go bar down, or try to go maybe between the shoulder blades, but no, Gurionov kind of went with the changeup, so to speak, and just kind of softly put it between Gibby's legs, and it went completely five-hole. And right at the end of that first period, we had another major injury. This one might be worse than the other one. Andra Kasha, he got injured. Yeah, actually with a minute left. It was on his seventh shift of the game. He left with with less than a minute left. So that's how bad that one was. And we'll talk more about that injury also later. Yeah, two injuries to talk about. Yikes. We go into the second period. Neither Kashe or Manson are on the Ducks bench to start the second period. So the Ducks were two men down for the rest of the game. Uh, Alexander Radulov committed a slashing penalty. And the Ducks did get a chance to wake up their power play unit. But to no avail yet. Well... That is, their updated power play unit with Kashe not playing this period. It was Comtois, Steele, Getzloff, Richie, and Fowler in that power play unit. And they got a couple of good chances, but good saves by Bishop. Now, Troy Terry does jump in the power play at the second unit, and he got a hard shot on goal, but Bishop saw it all the way. And finally, with about a few seconds left on the power play, Sam Steele held onto the puck for what seemed like an eternity. He gained the zone, held the puck along the blue line, and once he went in towards the right side and drew a second defender, he passed it to Nick Ritchie, who then passes it to a wide-open Max Comtois, 
who found the back of the net for... <gasps> what? A power play goal for the Ducks? Let me repeat that. A power play goal for the Anaheim Ducks. Only their second one of the season. What a shock. Anyway, Dallas started to pick up the physical play by dealing out several hits, and that included Corey Perry dishing out a couple along the boards. Um, Terry and Gitzlov did provide some quality forechecking, and there was a couple shots that rang off the post, but that's all from the forecheck. Uh, fast skating and crisp passing resulted in a frantic flurry of shots for Anaheim, especially when John Klingberg goes in the box for holding. However, that power play did not turn out so well for the Ducks. They only had two power plays the entire game, but at least they scored on one of them, right? As it is, the Ducks only took two penalties of their own, so Dallas only had two power plays, didn't score on either of those. Uh, third period, the Ducks just ran out of gas. They tried to fix their lines to no avail. Dallas Stars win that one 2-1. to one. Once again, John Gibson does a great job, but the Ducks only score one goal. Normally for a goalie to give up two goals is not bad. Most of the time, the teams will come through for them, but once again, to no avail. Now let's talk about the two injuries. Actually, before we talk about the injuries, let's talk about other Locked On podcasts. You can listen to us via Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, or Spotify. Also, be sure to check out other hockey podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network, including Locked On Sharks, and something that I'm going to mention right now. Locked on NHL, which is the national show for the Locked on NHL Network. Why am I bringing this up? Because I was a guest on Locked on NHL, and you can hear that on Locked on NHL, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. So be sure to listen for me on that. Much more to come on the other side of the intermission. Stay locked in. Welcome back to Locked On Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You're locked in with Jason J.D. Hernandez as we are still breaking down Thursday's game against Dallas. And really, we're going to talk about the injuries that took place on that game that I did not get to. And there were two specific injuries. The latter of the two took place at the end of the first period when Andre Kasha got injured by a hoop and rinse. And what happened was there was some contact in the upper body. And what some people are saying online is that it could be related to a concussion. Now, I'm not I'm not going to speculate, but Andre has had concussion issues in the past. He has sustained head injuries in the past. It looks like a similar injury. We're not going to know until possibly late Monday into early Tuesday. Uh, the Ducks have not released any information yet. They are, they should be home Monday morning in advance of their game on Tuesday. And we don't know exactly what happened there. We do know what happened with Josh Manson. And again, he sustained what was a very serious injury. And how this all went down. As he tried to get a hit on the Stars' Jason Dickinson, his left knee slammed into the boards and Manson went down in a heap. 
When Manson tried to get up, he was unable to put any weight on his left skate, so he did need to be helped off the ice by the Ducks' head athletic trainer Joe Huff and referee Dan Morton. From another angle on the broadcast, Dickinson tried to spin to avoid the hit and he inadvertently fell towards Manson's left knee and it looked to awkwardly bend inwards. It looked really bad. The Ducks skated with five demon for the rest of that game and obviously it did not work out. But going back to that Manson injury, his left knee seemed to bend inwards in a way that in one view it looks like it could be hyperextended. On another view, it looks like it just bent unnaturally. And the report was that he did leave the arena in crutches. So because of that, he was sent home immediately after that. So he's been in Anaheim ever since Friday morning. And we won't know the extent of the injury until later today or early Tuesday. So hoping for the best for Josh Manson, that is a pretty gnarly injury to have. And you hate to see that happen to a quality player, especially a top-line defender like Josh Manson. Now, obviously, the Ducks were a little bit upset about having two injuries in one game resulting in that loss. And to go even further on that game, you know, Andre Kasha only had seven shifts. He only had a time on ice of about 4.16. And he left with about a minute left. So that was Kasha's case. In the case of... Okay, this is where it got really bad. Manson's injury did look worse on the second viewpoint. He only had eight shifts. He was time on ice about 5.58. Once he left with about three plus minutes left, you could tell that the winds were clearly knocked off their sails and the Ducks tried to get through with 5D guys. And that put a huge hamper on the rest of the defensive core. And we're talking about... Hampus Lindholm, who ended up playing 22 and a half minutes on ice. Cam Fowler, he ended up playing 27 minutes time on ice. He played nearly half the game in the absence. That's going to tire anybody out. Although I have to give credit to John Gibson, he was the third star of the game and deservedly so. The Stars did put up a bunch of shots on that game, but enough about that game. Going back to the injuries, when you lose two players like that, you've got to do something, right? Well, the Ducks did just that because the day after that game, on Friday morning, the Ducks did make a deal. The Ducks traded 7th round pick from the 2021 draft, and they also traded minor league forward Andreas Martinson to the Pittsburgh Penguins, for Eric Goodbranson. That's a name that you may have heard in the past. Before we talk about Goodbranson, we'll talk about what the Ducks gave up. Now, they gave up Martinson, who was down in San Diego. He'd only played one game with the San Diego goals. And in fact, he went undrafted uh, all those years back. And when I think about Andreas Martinson, I think of his time as a Rockford Ice Hog, and I'm going to give a shout out here. Uh, my buddy, Joseph Zakcheski, he is the current announcer for the Rockford Ice Hogs. He used to be the announcer down here in SoCal with the Ontario Reign, and I've known him for a few years. 
And I watched some of his broadcasts and listened to some of his radio broadcasts. And that was a name that I heard quite a bit, Andreas Martinson. He's a good minor league player, but as far as NHL experience goes, he's had a bit of that too. He's had a cup of coffee in Colorado. He played 33 games in Chicago as a Blackhawk, scored two goals, got five points with Chicago. With the Ice Hogs, the previous two seasons, he was an alternate captain. He wore the A. So to come into San Diego this year on what essentially became a PTO or professional tryout, he made the team and he was on a two-way contract, but he had only played one game with San Diego and he was a scratch. He won't be a scratch now because he'll be going to Wilkes-Barre. So that's what the Ducks gave up. As far as what they gained, there's a lot that can be said about this trade. I thought the Penguins made a good move because they had a ton of D guys. If you remember earlier in the season, the Penguins allowed all these D men to be on their roster. In fact, they dressed 7D and 11 forwards for one game. So that's how much depth Pittsburgh has as far as their defense. But the main thing about this, this was a salary dump. Eric Goodbranson's salary hit is about $4 million. So that's pretty clear about why Pittsburgh general manager Jim Rutherford traded Goodbranson. Goodbranson was a healthy scratch quite a few games. Okay, that's just how it is. But getting $4 million as a cap hit, yeah, as he said, quote, it was only the matter of the cap. We really, really like Eric. He was a good team guy, and he played well for us. He came out of a situation where he had not played as well in Vancouver, and then he came here. We felt he was very solid for us. I don't feel totally comfortable moving him on, but it's certainly part of the business we do in the cap system. He was a cap casualty. End quote. Luckily, the Ducks have quite a bit of cap space, and obviously with the two injuries, that's going to free up even more cap space. So what the Pens did, they gave the Ducks a good player. Maybe not as good as the sadly injured player that they just lost in Josh Manson. But good Branson, he's a pretty good player. He's played a few years with the Florida Panthers. He was a former Vancouver Canuck and a former Penguin. He played in seven games so far this season, had not scored a point yet. But he is more of a tougher guy. He's 6'5", about 215 pounds. He can scrap when he needs to. So there's a bit of an advantage there. Yes, the Ducks, I guess in a sense, got a little bit younger on defense, and he will be on that first D pairing with Hampus Lindholm. And how did that work out for the Ducks? Well, I'd say it worked out pretty well for the Ducks on the game against Colorado. Before we get to the Colorado game, here's some more stats about Eric Gudbranson. He's a 27-year-old defenseman. He has 64 points in 474 NHL games with the Pittsburgh Penguins, Vancouver Canucks, and Florida Panthers, 
who selected him in the first round of the 2010 NHL draft. And in fact, Gud Branson, he's a pretty damn good player as far as physicality goes. He has 16 goals and 48 assists. And he's got a pretty heavy shot. The last goal that Gud Branson scored was last season during the Stanley Cup playoffs. Gud Branson scored his goal in the first round. It was Pittsburgh Penguins against the New York Islanders. And that goal took place in Game 2 of the playoffs. That was the last goal he scored. And that was a very heavy shot too. So that's what you have to know about Eric Gud Branson and about that whole trade. As far as the game after, it turned out pretty well for the Anaheim Ducks as they went on to face the Colorado Avalanche. And by this point, Saturday morning, my initial thought was, let's see how this trade goes, but they're playing Colorado and Las Vegas on a back-to-back. They'll be lucky if they win one game. And luck is exactly what happened as the Ducks elected to put Ryan Miller on goal. Ooh, Ryan Miller instead of, you know, John Gibson. I mean, that says a lot right there, doesn't it? So the Ducks went into this game thinking, okay, let's at least try to get some goals against them. Well, only 50 seconds into the first period, Adam Henrique got a masterful goal on a great pass from Ricard Raquel. And this was not long after opening faceoff. They wanted that top line out there. So Lindholm got an assist, then Raquel, then passed it to Adam Henrique, who scored it from the left dot. And that made it 1-0 Ducks, which was a great one-timer. And then we had a redirected goal not long after that, 12 minutes into the first period. Carter Rowney got a goal of his own, assist from Lindholm and Grant. And that made it 2 nothing Ducks on the deflection. And then we go to the second period. Donskoy got a goal for the Avs to make it 2-1. And that was a power play goal. Oh boy. But guess what happened later? At 8.28 of the second period, Ryan Getzloff scored on a power play goal. Yes, you heard that right. The Ducks scored another power play goal. Their third of the season. And that made it 3-1 Ducks. Ryan Getzloff got another goal. And then later in the third period, Nathan McKinnon strikes again. His sixth of the season to make it 3-2 Ducks. And guess what? That was another power play goal for the Colorado Avs. In fact, both of their goals came on the power play. But Colorado has a very, very strong power play unit. The Ducks PK, they're okay. I'll just say it, they're okay. And then we get into 6.42 of the third period. Max Comtois crashed the net, got a goal there, and it made a 4-2 Ducks. And eventually, Jakob Silverberg, on a great hustle play, got an empty netter with about two-plus minutes left. And that's your final score of that one. The Ducks went into Colorado and took two points and won it 5-2. And Ryan Miller was the first star of that game, and deservedly so, because he saw 37 shots, he saved 35 of them. Yeah, Colorado easily outshot the Ducks, but Ryan Miller was on top of his game. He had some great lateral movement, made some great saves left and right. So that was a very excellent win for the Ducks. 
And because I've talked up a storm already, I will just quickly go over the game against the Golden Knights, and it was not good. Again, the Ducks were coming off of a back-to-back. They had flown out late Saturday night, arrived in Vegas early Sunday morning, and I'm hoping that all the Ducks got sleep. But again, I'm just going to say, you're in Las Vegas on a Saturday night slash very early Sunday morning. The Vegas flu is real. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Yeah, Vegas flu is a real thing. And I'm sure the Ducks tried to get some sleep. But with it being a 5 o'clock start on Sunday, I'm sure sleep was a factor there and energy was a factor there because the Ducks came out looking pretty flat. Vegas had all the energy and it came out right away as Vegas... Well, I mean, Vegas looked good. Later on in the game, Ryan Getzloff did get the first goal of the game for the Ducks, and it was one nothing, only four minutes into the game. But they quickly ran out of gas. Very quickly. Because then Matt Stone scored. Then Reeves scored. Then Roy scored. And then Wild Bill Carlson scored. Before you knew it, it was 5 nothing Golden Knights as Stastny got another goal. That was pretty much it. Uh, the Ducks lost last night to Vegas 5-2 to to end the road trip 1-3 and and to put the Ducks at a record of 7-6. and 13 games played, 14 points, not bad. But as I've said all season long, temper your expectations. This is supposed to be a rebuilding year. The Ducks are not doing too bad, all things considered. With that said, that'll do it for this podcast. You can download today's podcast or any of the previous few episodes on the Locked On Podcast Network via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Also, make sure to follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Ducks. And follow me personally at StimpyJD. And once again, I'll plug Locked On NHL, which I was a guest for this week. So check out Locked On NHL. And I want to thank everyone for listening. And be sure to subscribe if you have not already. I want to hear from you fans throughout the season. If you want to chat hockey with me, hit me up on Twitter or email me at LockedOnAnaheimDucks at gmail.com. Once again, LockedOnAnaheimDucks at gmail.com. I do want to start a mailbag soon, so send them my way. If you want me to do a deep dive on any players, either for the Ducks or for the Goals or minor leagues, please let me know. With that said, for Locked on Ducks, I'm Jason J.D. Hernandez saying, have a great week. I'll see you at the rink and stay cool, Anaheim.